Today on the Blue Collar Blueprint Podcast, I'm going to show you how to earn $50,000 in exchange for about one month of your time. Now, look, I, I understand that that sounds awfully clickbaity, but regardless of how it might sound, just this last week, I personally locked down a real estate investment that's going to do exactly that in my own life. And I'm going to take you step by step through the exact process that I just went through so that you can see exactly how I did it and what I did so that you can then take that information and apply it to your own life. We're also going to take a look into the mailbag and we'll visit and see what I've got going on in my own blue collar journey. So we're going to get to all of that and oh, so much more today. My name is Jonah Wright and it's my job to give you the tools that you need in order to build a full and successful life from the ground up and with your own two hands. This is the Blue Collar Blueprint Podcast. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to the Blue Collar Blueprint Podcast, coming to you live from the Shed Quarters. Now, speaking of the Shed Quarters, before we dive into the episode today, I do want to let you know that before I started recording this episode, my air conditioner here decided to take a big fat crap. Now, while I'm recording this, it is about 137 degrees outside, which means that I am recording this inside of a sweat box. So if you're watching the video and you're thinking, hey, is that guy melting? Yes. Yes, I am. I am melting. I'm sweating like a wild animal. But alas, I'm here. I'm doing it for you because I want to get this content out of my head and into yours. So seriously, though, sorry for, you know, it is what it is. But hopefully I will not die of heat exhaustion before we at least finish uh, wrapping up this episode. Now, in the event that I do, in fact, keel over and start foaming at the mouth and the authorities aren't able to save me before I succumb to heat, uh, you know, death. <laughs> uh, my last dying wish is that you would just take five seconds out of your time then subscribe to this podcast, like it, leave a review, and do whatever you can to help get the word out. Because if I'm going to die of heat exhaustion, I may as well at least have a successful podcast uh, that I can leave behind for my family. But seriously, guys, if you don't mind helping me out, click like, click subscribe, leave us a review, get the word out there. It really does help us get uh, this content out on the road and kind of keep everything together. So if you can do that, I would sure appreciate it. Uh, but with all that sort of business out of the way, let's go ahead and dive in to our practical application section of the show. All right, guys, so on today's Prac App section, uh, we are going to deliver on exactly what we talked about in the very opening sequence of the podcast, which is I'm going to show you in step-by-step -step detail how to earn $50,000 in exchange for about one month of your time. Now, again, this is a real-life scenario that literally just happened to me this last week, and so the way that we're going to do this little segment is I'm basically going to tell you the story of what just happened to me, uh, which is a story of how I identified an opportunity. I saw it, I negotiated it, we put it together and we packaged it up and we've ended up with an executed contract that assuming all goes well, will ultimately pay me and my wife and my family about $50,000 for about one month's worth of my time and effort and all that kind of good stuff. So I'm going to tell you the story and then we're going to back up and we're going to break the story down into five action steps. These action steps are going to give you a basic outline from which you can understand exactly how to do what I literally just did this last week. Because here's the deal, guys. You don't have to have anything fancy or special in order to put a deal like this together. You you don't need a high degree. You don't need a you know a, a room full of coins that you can swim through like Scrooge McDuck. You don't need to hit the lottery or anything like that. You just have to be a hardworking regular guy who has his head screwed on right. Okay, and this is this is the reality because honestly, the story that I'm just about to tell you it just 
further proves the fact that what we talk about in this podcast and what I teach in the Blue Collar Blueprint, it works, right? This stuff, it works for regular, real-life guys just like you and I. And you're going to see that this is nothing fancy. This is nothing special. You just need to know a handful of things, and you can take what I'm going to talk about today and apply it to your life. And in no time flat, you can be out there earning great money on wonderful real estate investments if you're willing to put in the work, keep your eyes open and negotiate a good deal. And so that's our goal. And that's my intent for today. Now, obviously, my one thing, one caveat I want to talk about is that the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, I mean, we could spend probably 30 hours doing a whole like deep dive seminar going through and dissecting every single little piece of all of the things that happen, you know, sort of in the confines of the story. Obviously, I don't have that time right now. So our goal today is to give you the basic outline of exactly how to identify a deal, how to negotiate a deal, sort of what the general idea is so that you have a basic understanding of how to assemble a, a great real estate investment like this. And in future episodes, we're going to spend entire segments diving in onto all of the little nitty gritty details throughout. So my goal here is to give you sort of a, you know, the 30,000 foot view of exactly what it is that we're doing, the big picture, so that you can set a firm foundation upon which you can build further and deeper knowledge and investment wisdom and understanding. Okay. But the the main thing is, is if you listen to what I've got for you, even if you've never done a deal before, you've never done a closing, you've never bought a piece of real estate in your life. If you listen to what I have to say in this episode and you follow the action, action steps faithfully, it's going to get you where you need to go. And yeah, there's going to be more stuff that you're going to have to learn and every situation is unique and all of that kind of stuff. But with just what I'm going to be giving you today, you could take a deal and negotiate it and put it under your belt. I guarantee you that. So make sure that you, uh, you know, stay with me on that, but understand that there's plenty more to learn and we will be taking a deeper dive as we uh, move along in the podcast and we create more content. Now, the other thing I was going to mention is that obviously the Blue Collar Blueprint, as we all know, is broken down into three parts, to learn, to earn, and to turn. This section, this segment of the show is going to be all about the churn, right? This is an investment part of the show. And remember, you can start working on investments from the day that you begin your blue collar journey. This isn't something you have to wait for. It's not necessarily something you have to build up to. You can start this right now once you have the knowledge in place. Now, of course, all of those things work together. So the more you've learned, the more you can earn, and the more you've earned, the easier it is to churn. So we want to be building up all three of these areas. Um, but I just want to reinforce the idea that even if you're just getting started, this is going to be critical information because you could find yourself in a situation exactly like I found myself in this last week and you could put a deal like this together and just launch yourself you know just a hundred spaces ahead if you can get yourself a deal like this and follow through with it and make great money so without further ado let's go ahead and dive into this thing and I'm gonna tell you the brief sort of overview of the story so you can see exactly how all of this went down now, what's great about this story is that it all started in the most blue-collar blueprint way possible. It basically went through the entire sequence of events that we talk about and I try to sell you on this show, which is that I didn't get this opportunity by sending out an email blast or by you know cold calling people or sending out letters or, or anything fancy like that. In fact, I got this deal not because I was trying to find a real estate opportunity. I got this deal because I'm a drywall guy, right? So this whole thing started because I got a you know, an opportunity in my drywall business to go out and perform a job. Now, this particular job was about scraping popcorn off of a ceiling. So uh, these people were out of state. They said, hey, you know, we're going to hire you. We know it's this price per square foot. All of it sounds great. The key's over here. Go get the job done. So we scheduled it. I go there. I do the job. Everything turns out great. 
So uh, I finish up the project and I get on the horn and I'm starting to talk with the people who own this house. And this wonderful, lovely lady whose name is Sharon uh, starts telling me a little bit about a project. And we just sort, you know, we're just sort of flapping our gums a little bit, just having a nice conversation. Well, it turns out that Sharon has just inherited this house from her mom who passed away about a year prior to me doing this work. And unfortunately, you know, her mom was ill before she passed away. And so the house was not being taken care of for the last several years of this, of her mother's life. And then it was sitting empty for a year and it further deteriorated over that period of time. And so when the mother passed away and then the house went over to Sharon and the rest of the estate, the rest of her siblings, uh, the house was in pretty rough shape and they knew that they wanted to just go ahead and sell the house and then, you know, split the money up uh, across the heirs. Uh, but the problem was the house was in not great shape and so they needed to do a little bit of work. They wanted to have the popcorn scraped, they wanted to get it fresh painted, you know, fix up the things that were broken, etc., etc. And so while we're having this conversation, all of a sudden a, a bell start going off in my head and I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if there is an opportunity here because obviously... Sharon, and I may not have mentioned this, but Sharon and the rest of her siblings, they all live out of state. So it's not like they live next door to this place and they can just go over there and work on it when they can. No, no, they have to, you know, they have to handle all this stuff over the phone, over email and from far away, which is a major pain in the neck. Not only that, they didn't have a whole lot of money uh, from the estate that they could use to invest into the property. So they were going to have to come out of pocket in order to hire the painters and hire me, the drywall guy, and hire the trim people and the door people and all of this kind of thing. And so it was just going to be this massive, expensive pain in the neck in order for them to sell this piece of property that they ultimately got stuck with. And so I said, Sharon, I wonder if there's a way that we might be able to work together. You see, in addition to being a drywall guy, when I'm not doing drywall, I do exactly this, right? I'm a building contractor and I buy houses that are in rough shape, just like this one, and I fix them up and I sell them. So would you think that maybe you would be interested if I just buy the house right here, right now, exactly how it is, and that way you guys don't have to worry about, you know, fixing it up and going through that whole song and dance? And she thought about it for a second, and she said, you know, yeah, we, we actually very might be very interested in that. And of course, the next question was, she says, how much are you willing to pay me for it? Now... I literally had no idea that this conversation was going to happen when we got into the conversation. I was just trying to get paid for, for my, my drywall job, right? Uh, but uh, when the opportunity came up, I, I had to take action and dive in. And so I said, well, look, Sharon, honestly, I didn't even look at the house in this way. It didn't occur to me that this is even a possibility. Uh, but now that I know that you might be interested, give me a couple hours. My wife and I will talk it over and I'll come back to you and I'll make you an offer. She says, okay, that sounds great. So I hang up with Sharon and I immediately get on the phone with my wife. Now, my wife is a real estate wizard. Okay, she is phenomenal when it comes to figuring out how much a house is worth and just getting a really good feel for the real estate uh, or, or the, the prices for real estate around properties that we're looking at. And so I give her a call and I say, hey, honey, we've got this opportunity opportunity. Uh, here's the address. Can you look it up and do some comp work for me? So of course she goes onto her computer and she does her real estate magic and we'll break down like sort of a brief overview of what this is like and what's involved there. But she comes back to me and she says, okay, so we, we expect that the house is going to be about uh, $400,000 after we get it fixed up. That's what we can expect to sell it for after we've done our work. I go through in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. I expect that it's going to cost this much money to fix it up and it's going to cost this much money to hold it and, and all these other things. Again, we'll break down this math so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the bottom line is we determine that we can pay as much as $240,000 for this piece of property. So I call up Sharon and I say, all right, Sharon, we were able to take a look at the math. 
the number that we came up to is $240,000. If you can make it that happen, we'll be happy to buy it. And we'll get this thing locked down. And she goes, oh, well, you know, I talked to my siblings uh, while I was waiting for you to call back. And we decided that 275 was really the lowest we'd be willing to go. I said, okay, you know, fair enough. Not a big deal. Uh, no skin off of anybody's nose. The offer stands. If you want to do it for 240, give me a call anytime. We'll put it together. If not, best of luck. Uh, you know, if I can be of help in any other way, just give me a holler. Uh, she says, okay, that sounds great. Uh, before we hang up, though, I say, but Sharon, one thing I do want to just touch base on real quick is I I'm going to send you a, sh a quick email with my information. So you have my contact, you'll have my email, but I'm also going to send you a few other things. I'm going to send you my license number. So remember, I'm a building contractor. I'm going to send you my insurance so that you can see all of that stuff. I'm also going to send you a link to my website and also to my social medias so you can have a chance to look over some of the images that I have, you know, compiled from different projects that I've done, different investments and different remodel projects I've done so you can see that what we're talking about doing with your house is what I do for a living. We're really good at it. This is my bread and butter. Uh, I just want to let you know that, you know, we're professionals. I'm not trying to beat around the bush. I don't want to twist your arm. If you don't want to sell it, no problem, but I do want you to know that if you decide that you want to move forward with us, that you're putting the property into good hands. So I'm going to send that over to you. Take a look if you want. If not, no harm, no foul. Best of luck to you and, you know, good luck. And so a few days go by and I'm thinking, okay, whatever, you know, it, it, it's like fishing, you know, you, you drop the line in the water. Sometimes you catch it. Sometimes you don't. You're still having a good time. You're drinking a couple beers. It's a nice day, right? It is what it is. It's not a big deal. We'll go on to the next one. Well, a few days go by and I get a telephone call. I look down and I see it's Sharon. So I answer the phone and I say, hey, Sharon, how's it going? She says, it's great. Well, actually, it's not that great. I'll tell you what happened. After my siblings and I decided that we couldn't take your 240 offer, I went in there. I started doing some cleaning and we were getting ready to get the paint going and doing all this kind of thing. And while I was working, the air conditioner broke down. So it's like a common theme, right? It's almost like the shed quarters. No freaking air condition. It's Florida and it's May, which means it's super, super hot. Miserable, right? So she goes, yeah, the air conditioner breaks down. I'm sweating like an animal. We call out the AC people. It's going to cost a ton of money to get this air conditioner fixed. So I just called my siblings and we all agreed. You know what? 240 is worth it. We don't care anymore. We just want to get this thing off our hands. We don't want to have to deal with this. And I said, oh, okay, sounds good. Do you want me to write up a contract? She says, yeah. So we go through, we, you know, we talk about the rest of the, uh, the details. When are we going to close? How much does she need for a deposit? Some things like that. And I say, okay, great. You know, the second we hang up, I'll call my wife. We'll write up the contract and I'll send it right over to you. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, we ended up getting this thing under contract for $240,000. Uh, we expect that it's going to cost about $60,000 to invest into it. It's going to take my time about one month, hence the, the sell in the beginning, right? It'll take me about one month to do the work necessary to the property uh, in order to get it put together. And then when all is said and done, if everything goes to plan, we will make about $50,000 in exchange for one month of our time. And so that is the story. It was as simple as that. All I had to do was identify that there was an opportunity and then we went through the whole process. So now what I want to do is take a step back and I want to break down the action steps that I utilized through this story so that you can have a clear path to move forward when you find yourself in this situation. So I'm going to walk through the action steps for you real quick and then we'll go back and we'll break each one of them down. So action step number one is to open your face, meaning talk to people and tell them that you buy real estate. Number two is to sell yourself, sell yourself. Make sure that people know that you are a worthy guy. You're not messing around. You are the type of person who will follow through. Number three is to do the math. 
This is where you're going to identify how much is the property worth, how much will I have to put into it, et cetera, et cetera. How much can I make an offer on this property so that we can make money on it? Number four is to make the offer. And then finally, number five is to follow through, right? Actually do the deal, actually put the 50,000 into your pocket. That's kind of the big thing. So let's go ahead and back up and let's talk about these action steps bit by bit. And we'll go through everything in sort of a little bit more finer detail as we go through and keep in mind this is going to be very surface level so if you're thinking hey you know I need more details about this and that don't worry stay tuned make sure you're subscribed to the podcast because we're going to go back through each one of these things and I'm going to dedicate entire segments of the show just breaking down all the nitty-gritty details so you can know exactly what you're doing and build out from there Um, so we're starting off with action step number one, which is to open your face. If I had not had this conversation with Sharon and if I had not just talked to her and realized that, Hey, this may be an opportunity. I might be able to help them. They may be able to help me. If we weren't talking about it, this deal would have never happened. Okay. The the deal wasn't available for sale. You couldn't find it on Zillow. You weren't going to see a sign in the yard. They didn't even you know, entertain the idea of letting the house go prior to me saying, hi, I buy real estate. Would you be interested in selling it? So if you want to find good real estate deals, be out in the world and tell people that you are the kind of person who buys real estate and that you would be interested in buying any real estate that they may have to offer. Now that doesn't mean you're going to do every deal. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to have something to sell, but if you don't tell them, you're never going to get the opportunity. So open your face. Action step number one, open your face. And obviously before this, like I was saying earlier in the intro and lead up to this whole story, this is the blue collar blueprint at work, right? I wasn't out looking for a deal. My wife and I were looking for deals sort of, you know, on other time. But during this time, I was just getting hired to do my drywall work. I wasn't trying to go out there and find a real estate opportunity. I got presented with this opportunity because somebody invited me into their home. They hired me to do work. I did the work. I did a great job. Everybody was happy. And then I was able to be introduced to an opportunity. I saw it and I took it. So open your face and be out there doing your thing. Blue collar work is a great way to get exposed to a lot of different people. So utilize that, leverage that skill set and take the opportunity to open your mouth and tell people that you buy real estate. Step number two is to sell yourself. Okay. Now guys, uh, again, we're going to talk about this and break it down in much bigger detail, but you need to understand that when you are a person who is trying to achieve financial freedom, right? Or you are a person who is running a business or you are a person who's trying to invest in real estate. When you are out in the world, you are selling yourself, whether you know it or not, right? How you carry yourself, how you dress, how you look, how you speak, how you think, how you do business, all of that stuff comes together to create a package that is you, that is yourself and your job and your duty and what you really need to put a lot of thought into is how can you make yourself the type of person who comes off to other people as trustworthy, as competent, as intelligent, and as somebody who would be, you know available and open and willing to do opportunities like the one that we talked about in this story. You've got to be out there selling yourself every day. So obviously there's sort of general things about the way that you speak to people, the way that you conduct your business and all of those sort of things. But there's also some practical action steps that are underneath of this 
bigger action step of selling yourself that you can also take. And I would encourage you to start working on like right now. Number one is to get a business card. If you don't have a business card with your email, your contact and a list of things that you do, then you're out of your mind. I don't know what you're thinking. Make sure that you have a business card because when you're opening your face and telling people that you buy real estate, you can hand them a card. And if they don't have something to sell to you now, maybe they'll find something later on and they might think of you. So make sure you have a business card so that they can contact you. I make a list on mine telling them about all the things that I do. I'm a podcast host, I'm a building contractor, I'm a drywall guy, I'm a real estate investor, I'm a realtor, I'm a this, I'm a that, and I do all of this stuff. If you need me for anything, give me a holler. Um, it's also got on the back, and this sort of leads into the next thing, a QR code. And when you scan that QR code, it'll take you to a link tree, which will show you my website, it shows you all of my social media stuff, so that people can see the work that I do, right? I compile pictures of all of the work that I do. If I do a big remodel, I put together before and afters. If I'm doing a popcorn removal, I'm going to do before and afters. I'm going to make sure that people can see with their own eyeballs what I do. So it's not just me presenting myself. It's not me just talking and being a good salesperson and saying, oh yeah, I do this stuff. But when you look at this QR code and you check out my website, you can physically literally see what I do. And you'll see that I'm very, very good at it. And so this all just sort of like works together to sell me as a person, as an investor, and it makes people feel comfortable that they can work with me. So be thinking about that. Sell yourself. Action step number two. Action step number three is to do the math. Okay. Doing the math is when I called my wife and I said, Hey, here's my house, do the market research and let's figure this out. And so again, I'm going to do a lot more of a deeper dive on this because this is a huge thing, right? If you mess this up, you can totally get yourself into a bad situation. Don't do that. Make sure you're doing the math right. But here's the basic outline of how this works. The first thing we're going to do is determine the ARV of the property that you're looking at. The ARV stands for after repair value, ARV. That means how much will this house be worth when you have done all of the stuff that you need to do to it? If it needs a new kitchen, if it needs a new bathroom and floors and roofs and air conditioners and whatever other stuff this property needs to bring it up to the top level, how much will that property be worth once you've done all that work, the ARV? That's the first number that we're going to start with. How do you determine that number? All you've got to do is go out and find what we in the business call comparable properties. Comparable is a word that simply means similar properties. We want to find properties that are similar size, that have the same number of bedrooms, same number of bathrooms. Um, you, you know, you're trying to compare them. If your house doesn't have a pool, then don't look at ones with pool. If uh, your house has a, uh, you know, is going to have all new kitchen and all new bathrooms, then you're looking for houses that already have the new kitchen and bathrooms. And what we're trying to do is to get an idea of how much a house like the one that you are looking at will sell for if you do all of these things to it. So if you go online and I'm looking for a 1300 square foot house, two bedrooms, two bath, two car garage. And I, you know, this particular house happens to be in a neighborhood. So we look at the neighborhood. It's in the immediate area. Um, I'm going to look for houses that sold that are going to meet those criteria. And I'm going through and we're sort of sifting through, oh, okay, this one has a nice kitchen and it has a nice bathrooms. It's similar to how ours will be when we fix it up. Ours will be nicer, of course, but you know, it gives us an idea. And once we've found three or four, what you'll see is that all of those houses are probably going to be pretty much the same price. And we determined that this house, the house that we're looking at, after we've done all this work, will be worth somewhere in that $400,000 to $425,000 range, meaning that's what somebody will actually pay for the house once we've done all the work, 
put it on the market and sold it to whoever's going to move into it after we're done. Uh, so again, we're going to start with the ARV and then we start to move backwards from there. So here's the math real quick. And again, this is sort of like rule of thumb type stuff. We'll do a deeper dive later on, but just so you know how we do this, we start with $400,000. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take out the closing costs. These are the costs that it will cost me to actually sell the house when all is said and done and we're getting the new buyer to come in. So the closing costs as a rule of thumb are about 7% of the sale price. So about 7% of $400,000. So the first thing that we're going to do is subtract 7% from 400 grand, which leads us with $372,000. Now I'm going to take 372,000 and I'm going to subtract the amount of money that I'm estimating the property will need in order to get it built up to the place where we need to get it to go. So how much will it cost me to do the kitchen, to do the bathrooms, to do the floor, the trims, the door, the paint, all of the stuff that needs to happen. So we go through and we make an estimated budget and we come up with a number of $60,000. That's roughly our budget for the rehabilitation process of this particular project. Now, I'm just going to throw in a quick aside. As a blue collar guy who is capable of doing a huge amount of that work, that $60,000 is a significantly lower dollar amount than somebody who doesn't have the skills that a blue collar guy has. If you have to hire somebody to do the drywall and you have to hire somebody to do the trim and you hire somebody to do everything, that $60,000 could very well be 90,000. It could be 100,000, right? So by knowing how to do things and having the time set aside in your work schedule to be able to dedicate to do those things, I'm telling you, it's a great way that you can leverage your blue collar skills into that churn category where you're creating good investments and enabling yourself to make things like $50,000 in a month. So just as an aside, but nonetheless, we expect that this property will take $60,000 in order to get it up to that top level that we need it to be at in order to sell it for the 400 number. So that brings us down to $312,000. Now what we're going to do is we're going to back out the holding costs. Holding costs simply means how much money will it cost me to own this property for however long I own it. So if I expect that I'm going to own the house for a total of six months, uh, then I'm going to make six mortgage payments. How much is that going to cost? Uh, you know, how much do I estimate the electric is going to cost every month, the water, the taxes, the insurance, all of this kind of stuff. And so we put all those numbers together and we determine that it's going to be about $20,000 to hold this piece of property. So we take our 312 and we subtract $20,000, which leaves us with 292,000. Then we get to the fun part, which is picking a number for how much we determine we need to profit on this project in order to make it worth our while. Uh, now, this is sort of a... It's an elusive thing, right? It's very subjective, dependent upon how much time you feel like it's going to take you to actually invest into this property. And personally, I just kind of like determine how much of an ass pain I think it's going to be, right? So if it's a bigger ass pain, I need to make more money. If it's a small ass pain, I can deal with less, right? And so we're kind of balancing those things. The bottom line is my wife and I decide that $50,000 is going to be the sweet spot in order for us to move forward with this deal. So we're going to take 292 and then we're going to subtract out $50,000 set aside for profit. That leaves us with a number of $242,000, which is the maximum amount of money that we would be willing to buy this house for, right? That number tells you how much can you buy it for in order to do the improvements, hold the property, pay for your closing costs, make a profit, 
50 grand, and then sell it for the expected price that you were able to determine based on your comparables. So that is how you do the math. Again, very surface level, but at least now you have a good understanding. Get your ARV, the after repair market, minus your closing costs, minus your holding costs, minus your renovation budget, minus your profit, and that is the maximum that you can spend on that opportunity in order for it to work out successfully. Action step number four is where we're going to make the offer. Now, sometimes this can be awkward, right? I am thinking like, okay, 240 is kind of like not a lot of money, but this is what I need to buy it for. I'm not willing to pay more for it. You know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, that's great too. So you just have to kind of get over that. And it doesn't matter what the sticker price says. It doesn't matter if they told you, hey, you know, we need to make X amount of dollars. That is an irrelevancy, right? You are willing to buy it for this much. Make the offer. If they say no, no harm, no foul. If they say yes, then take the deal and rock and roll with it, okay? That's the way that this works. So I get on the horn with Sharon. I say, hey, it's 240. She goes, goes, yeah, it's just too low. Okay, no problem. Not a big deal. Call me if you change your mind. Well, the AC breaks down. They decide, yeah, this is going to be a pain in the neck. We just want to go ahead and take the 240. They give it to me. We lock it down. Now, I'm a real estate agent, right? So I've got all the tools and equipment and all of the things that I need in order to put together a written contract. If you are not a real estate agent or you don't have the time or whatever, the expertise, then you can hire somebody to do all this stuff for you. But the point that I'm trying to make is that I always like to negotiate as much of my contract out on the phone verbally before I go through the process of writing it down and getting signatures and sending it back and forth and all of this stuff because that's just a clunky pain in the neck. I like to talk to people. I'm a straight shooter. I just tell them, hey, look, this is what I can do. This is when I can close. This is how it's going to be. Uh, if you can agree, then let's put it on a contract. If not, we can go back and forth. We negotiate it. But once we figure out what we're going to do, then I will go through and write it all down and we can you know, work everything out and put it together legally. So you make an offer. Plain and simple. Make it verbally first, agree on your terms, and then put it on paper and get it executed. And then finally, step number five is to follow through. Now, follow through is obvious, right? You've got this bird in hand. You've got this golden goose that's about to drop a golden egg. If you put the deal together, if you're confident in your math, if you know it's a great deal, then close that sucker, right? Don't leave people hanging. It's 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 bad for yourself, right? I mean, you've got $50,000 sitting in your hand. Don't drop it, okay? That's number one. Number two is don't get people's hopes up. Don't get them excited. Don't waste their time if you're not going to close the deal. Okay. Close the stinking deal. Make sure you've got your financing in place. If you can't get financing, find somebody who will give you the money. If you can't find somebody who will give you the money, then figure out another way to close it, even if you're not the one that buys it. So for example, let's say that, you know, for whatever reason, you're not able to close the deal. The bank won't give you the money, the hard money people, whatever it is. Uh, you can go down to your local real estate investment club. You can raise your hand and say, hi, I'm Jonah. I've got this deal. Two bedroom, two bath. ARV is 400000 You can buy it right now today for about $260,000. Now, some guy might raise his hand and say, hey, I'll do that deal. That sounds good to me. Maybe that guy only needs to make 30000 Maybe he thinks I did my math wrong. Maybe he thinks he can sell it for four fifty. I don't know. I don't really care. The point is, is if you have a good deal in hand, you can always get somebody to close that sucker, and you should. Don't drop the ball. Make sure that you follow through. Ideally, put that money in your pocket, but if you can't, take a smaller sum, sell it to somebody else. Everybody will be happy, and the deal will go through. So, guys, that is it, right? That's how you make $50,000 in exchange for one month of your time. Now, I want to make a clear caveat here because I don't want some of you out there being like, oh, well, you didn't make it in one month. Yes, I did. Listen to what I'm saying. 
obviously, if I negotiate this deal on January 1, I don't get the $50,000 on February 1st. That's not the way that real estate works, right? If I negotiate it on January 1, I might get paid on in May or in June, right? So it's going to take a period of time. When I say that you can make this 50 grand in one month worth of your time, what I mean is that if the time that you are personally going to spend in that house, working on that property, managing the remodel, doing the work yourself, whatever it is, the time that you're going to actually spend there will be equivalent roughly to one month if you're doing a deal like this. Sometimes you're going to have a huge ass project. It's going to take you three months. If that's the case, make sure you build in enough profit in order to make the deal worthwhile. But the bottom line is you can do this. This is regular stuff. This is nothing special. I got this opportunity because I'm a drywall guy. I don't have a big giant pile of money in my back room that I can just like scoop out and give to people. I have to do all kinds of creative stuff in order to get this thing financed but ultimately we will get it put together and I'm going to make $50,000 in one month of my time if I'm able to make, you know, if everything kind of like plays out the way that we expect. Now, here's the thing about real estate. It might not, right? I mean, the deal could blow up tomorrow. It could get hit by an asteroid and literally explode. You know, stuff happens sometimes. It just is what it is. Luckily, there's a lot of houses out there and there's a next deal down the road. So if that happens and so be it, you know, let, let dead dog sleep and then move on and find another deal. The bottom line and what I'm really trying to get across to you is that you can do this. This is simple. Follow the simple action steps. Open your face. Tell people you're interested in buying real estate. Sell yourself. Make sure you're presenting yourself correctly. If you have images of your work, make sure that you can show them to people. If you don't have pictures of your work, make sure you start taking some, right? Make yourself an expert in the field. Show people that you're a legit guy and uh, that, that's going to help the whole process go a lot smoother. Do the math and make sure you're doing the math correctly. Start with your ARV and back out all of your costs. Determine how much profit you want to make and then make that offer. If they say yes, then follow through with that sucker and make 50 grand. This isn't fancy. It's not special. You don't need to do anything. Some of the dumbest people I have ever met in my entire life make a fortune doing exactly what we're talking about right now. You don't have to be a genius to do this. You just have to have an opportunity and take it when it comes by. So guys, that's what I encourage you to do. Get out there, get to work, open your face negotiate deals and then come join us uh, you know and tell me how it's going right i can't wait to hear the the first guy to come to me and say hey i did a deal because i followed these action steps cuz i know you're out there somewhere and i can't wait to hear from you i'll send you a t-shirt <laughs> or something when it comes down but guys i want you to do this i want you to be out there be successful live the blue collar blueprint i know you can do it i believe in you and i hope that this segment will help get you on the right foot and get you out on the road all right, guys, welcome to the mailbag section of the show. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and dive right into this thing and see if I can give you a little coaching, maybe answer a handful of questions and see if we can figure a few things out. So we're going to start with kind of a tough one that's going to be a little bit squirrely. And uh, I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, if you're a little bit queasy about hearing the cold, hard truth, then you may want to fast forward this section. But alas, here we are. So here we go. Nick says, I feel like I'm underpaid and it makes me want to quit the trades and do something else that is easier on my body. So Nick, uh, I read this question and I got to be honest with you, man, I, I looked at it and my first instinct was to feel torn about how to approach this because I don't look, I want to encourage you guys, right? I want to be a helpful podcast host. I want to encourage you. I want you to drive forward in the trades and I want you to feel motivated when you leave this podcast. Um, but my immediate response to reading this question 
is not motivation. Uh, in fact, my first response was that, Nick, you might be a big fat loser. Okay, let's just be real, all right? Now, I debated whether or not I should say this out loud, but I think it's important to go ahead and get the point across because I can't answer the question without telling you what my, what my true thoughts are. This question sounds to me like it was written by somebody who is just sort of like going along to get along. This is not the kind of question that I'm going to hear from somebody who has their head screwed on right. Now, Nick, I don't want to hurt your feelings because maybe you're not that guy. Maybe you're just having a moment, maybe something like this. But I'm just not getting that feeling, okay? I'm getting the feeling that this is a mindset problem. Here's the good news, though. Guys who don't have their head screwed on right, all they got to do is get in there and start twisting that sucker on so that they can get their head exactly where it needs to be. They can put their head in the game. They can start moving with speed and efficiency and intensity and all the stuff that we talk about in this show. And you can get yourself on the right track. Asking questions like this, probably not so much. And I want to tell you why, okay? Um, first off, it's the underpaid thing. We're going to talk a lot about that in just a couple of moments. We're going to break it down a little bit. I'm going to dispel some myths and maybe uh, say some cold hard truths that we may not like, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So the underpaid thing is one thing. We've all been there, right? We've all been in a situation where we're underpaid, so that doesn't make you a loser. The part that makes me feel like this is kind of like a losery thing is that first you start with underpaid, and then it's like, now I'm going to quit. I'm just going to give up on the entire thing. Dude, like, come on, man. Like, that's not that's not the way to handle this, right? Like, that is not what you say if you are a motivated, hard-working son of a gun who's ready to look things in the eye and just freaking bowl over whatever's standing in your way until you get to where you want to go. That's not what you say. You don't say, yeah, I'm going to throw up my hands and give up the second I meet some adversity. Come on, dude. That is not the right way to approach this. You got to just dig down deep sometimes and be like, look, I'm not quitting no matter what happens. I'm going to drive forward. I've committed to doing this, and I'm going to make it happen. And then you got the last part here, which is, I want to get out of the trades and do something that's easier on my body. Look, uh, I understand being easy on your body. I'm a drywall guy. This is a very physical job. I, I get it, right? I come home, I'm tired. I got a little girl. I got to freaking rally up my energy and go play on the playground and do all this stuff, you know, horsey rides and all that. I hear you, right? It's tough. It's tough on your body. You know what else is tough on your body? Jogging, okay? You, you know, you go out jogging, you might get an injury, you're going to be tired when you get back, etc., etc. You know, all of this kind of stuff. It's all the same thing. But nobody says, oh, well, you should stop jogging, right? It's like, oh, it'd be way better if I just sat around and watched Netflix all day. Come on, man. Like, that's... I, okay, so now hopefully you're trying to get an idea about why I'm not exactly thrilled with this question. But nonetheless, let's go ahead and say, Nick... I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I think we need to do a little bit of adjustment here so that you can get yourself on the track. Because here's the thing, man. I don't want you to be going down the, the trade road for years and years at a time heading in the wrong direction, right? I want to like grab a hold of you and shove you onto the right road and either push you down the right direction where you're going to head and drive towards success or you need to turn around and go somewhere else, okay? I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. Uh, but I did see some really valuable stuff in your question that I want to address real quick. Uh, and that's the underpaid part. Uh, it, it occurred to me when I read the question that there are a huge number of people out there who do not understand the way that wages work. Okay, uh, the wages, the the way that wages actually work, I should say, because there are, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, governmental fingers that get stuck in places, and there's all kinds of weird cultural stuff that's floating around out there that give people an idea about what they deserve as a wage and all of this kind of stuff. Um, so let's go ahead and address it head on. Wages, 
i.e. the money that you earned is going to be directly linked to the amount of value that you create in the marketplace. Okay. Now, when I say value, I'm talking about value that can be measured in dollar bills. Okay. Actual value. Um, so here's the thing. If you are working at a company and uh, until you get to a certain point, you're probably going to be working for a company, especially when you're new, right? You're earning kind of, you know, probably on the lower end of the scale, you're just getting started, you're learning the trade, you're kind of getting your feet wet. First couple of years, that's the way that this goes. You start at the bottom of the ladder, you got to work your way up. You don't get paid a lot at the bottom of the ladder. And why do you not get paid a lot? Because you don't know what you're doing, right? And if you don't know what you're doing, then you don't produce a lot of value. Therefore, you don't get paid a bunch of money. Okay, that's just the reality of the situation. So that's the first thing we need to understand. The amount of money you earn is directly linked to the amount of value that you create period it's not about how much does it cost to live in your neighborhood it's not about how much is rent it doesn't matter how many how much groceries cost uh, it doesn't matter what union you belong to i don't care what certificate you have the only thing that ought to determine the amount of money that you earn when you're working for a company or when you're investing in real estate or when you own a company is only the question how much value do you create in the marketplace period that's it so if you are underpaid, that means that you create way the hell more value than you're getting paid. Meaning like you create $100 an hour worth of value, but you only get paid 20. That is too much, right? That means that you need a raise if you're in a situation like that. Um, but what I have found is that most of the time when I hear people say I'm underpaid, what they mean is I don't get to live in the kind of house that I want to live in. It means, oh, well, I can't buy the, you know, the, the kind of house that I want to buy as a starter place or something like that. Okay. That is not what underpaid means. Underpaid means that you are creating, when you go to work, the, the services and the skills and all the things that you're doing, that that value that you actually create in real life is vastly more than what you actually get paid. Okay, so that's what underpaid actually means. Now, could you be in that situation? Absolutely, right? If you are, what you need to do is one of several things. One, you either need to just get over it, right? And just accept that you're going to be stuck at the bottom of the ladder for the rest of your life. Obviously, this is not the right way to approach the situation, right? Don't be that guy. There are a lot of those guys. I mean, I've met a ton of people who have been in the trades, in my trade, in the drywall trade, for like decades, right? I mean, they're experts. They know everything there is to know about drywall and they still only make like $25 an hour. It's like, dude, how is that even possible? Right? Like I, it's hard for me to comprehend, but there are plenty of people who just go along to get along and, and they're the exactly the kind of people who will tell you, oh man, don't get into the trades. You're never going to make any money doing that. It's like, yeah, well, not if you do it that way, right? You're definitely not going to make any money. So don't be that guy, right? Don't accept that you can create a lot of value and then you're only going to get paid a little bit. That doesn't make any damn sense. The next thing you can do is approach your boss or whoever is, you know, writing you the check and say, hey, guy, I feel like I'm creating this much value, but I'm only getting paid this much money. I need a raise. Now, that guy, if he has his head screwed on, right, if he's a good and decent guy, he'll say, yeah, you know what, you're right, you've gotten yourself to this point, you've learned this, you create this, we're going to give you a raise, here's what I think would be fair, and you guys can negotiate about, negotiate about what that is. Um, or maybe he's a greedy asshole, right? There's plenty of those running around out there. And if he's a greedy asshole, then you probably need to get out of there um, and find another gig. I mean, that's that's just a reality. Now, and the last thing I want to touch on real quick before I leave your question here is that sometimes, indeed, you may be in a situation where you create so much value that your wage, right, the amount of money that your company pays you 
certain gets capped out at a certain point. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, if you're doing a job, the market is going to determine how much your company can sell that service for. In my case, let's say I'm doing a popcorn removal. Okay, and uh, let's say that the job is a thousand dollars. Okay, it's a one day job, one man job. Uh, and I say to myself, okay, I'm going to hire on a guy to help me out, okay? And I think that this guy's worth X amount of dollars. Now, if that guy goes in there and he's capable of earning that full thousand dollars in one day, um, I can't pay him that, okay? Let's be real. I can't pay him that. I don't hire people to be nice to them, right? I hire people because I'm looking to earn money for my company. Now, I will pay that person a fair wage based on what that guy is producing, but I can only pay him so much and also make money because if the market tells you that the job is worth one thousand dollars, I can't very well go out there and try to charge $1,200 for it, right? Because there's going to be 10 guys behind me who are willing to take that job and do the same service for a thousand bucks. I have to be competitive from an employer standpoint, which means that I have to pay that guy who's worth a thousand dollars. I have to pay him less. When you hit that point, right, where you are worth the full amount, but you're only getting paid less and you're, you're capped out and there's just no way to, to increase that. That's the time when you need to leave that company and start your own business, okay? Um, when you really get to the point of mastery and you've really just maxed out your potential, it's that uncomfortable time when you got to start thinking about, okay, do I need a license? Let me start forming a company. What kind of banking situation do I need to have in place? Do I need tools? Do I need equipment? Do I need an office space? You need to start thinking about these things and move in that direction like as quickly as possible because you don't want to be in the situation where you're making the boss man a ton of money and you're the one producing all this value. Not if you've got your head screwed on, right? Not if you're following the blue collar blueprint, right? Our goal is to go out there and earn a thousand dollars a day every day that we go to work. We got to earn, right? We learned. Now we got to earn so that we can turn around and churn and just drive relentlessly towards that financial freedom that we're looking for. You can't do that working for somebody uh, in most cases. Uh, so the vast majority of you guys out there, when you get to that point where you're ready to take off and you're ready to start doing that thousand dollars a day, that probably means you need to start your own company. And when you've hit the point where you are creating so much value, but you're not able to get paid for that full amount of value, it's time to start your own company. So, Nick, uh, again, I hope it didn't uh, piss you off too bad, but you know, it is what it is, right? Don't be a loser, man. I, I want you to do the right thing. I want you to drive forward. Maybe you're just having a moment. We've all been there, right? We've all had situations where you feel like you're not getting paid. You feel like you're being overworked, et cetera, et cetera. I got it. But let's be real. Most of the time, that's not the case. Generally speaking, you earn exactly how much you need to earn based on the amount of value that you've got. Sometimes there's going to be an imbalance. You've got to correct the imbalance, but you should be looking at things only based on how much value you produce. And your goal, if you want to earn more money, is to figure out how can I create more value. That's it. That's the plain and simple bottom line of it. So hopefully that helps you, man. Um, if you are underpaid, go get a raise or you need to start moving on to the next gig. Um, if you're not being overpaid and you just like, Excuse me. If you're not being underpaid, then you know maybe it's time to reassess yourself and, and try to like reorient your thinking so that you can start moving in the direction of greater value creation and greater income potential, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All right, and uh, let's go ahead and uh, real quick just jump into one last question I wanted to touch base on. Now, this question doesn't actually come from the mailbag. This is a question that I had just sort of out in the world when I was approaching somebody about uh, investing with me on a piece of real estate. 
And what I was looking for them to do is basically I was looking for them to serve as a lender, meaning I wanted to buy a piece of property. I needed X amount of money. And I approached this person to say, hey, uh, I understand you've got X amount of money. Would you be interested in lending it to me? And basically the deal that I made was I wanted to give this person uh, an 8% flat rate on their money. What that means is that, uh, just to use simple math, if that person gave me $100,000, I wanted to take the $100,000, have access to it for at, at most one year, and then at the end of that year, I would pay them back their $100,000 plus $8,000, aka 8%. That's a flat rate. Now, if I take their $100,000 and I give it back to them in one month, they still get the $8,000, right? Uh, so this is the particular type of lending that I was uh, suggesting to this person. And the guy has never really done this before, right? This is more of sort of your standard investor. He's got the 401k and the mutual funds and the Roth IRA and all this kind of stuff, which I have nothing against. Obviously, there are plenty of people who have made a fortune doing that, and that's great, and that's good, and it's important to be diversified into those kinds of things if you have access to it. Um, but as far as I'm concerned... Being a real estate lender is an excellent way to earn great returns. And that was the question, right? He looks at me and he goes, man, why should I invest with you doing the real estate thing instead of just throwing my money into a CD or something? And I said, well, first off, while the rates have gone up, CDs are earning, you know, whatever, I don't know, 5%, maybe 5.5%. If you're willing to give somebody, you know, the bank your money for three years, um, or I think you can do, I think you can get about 6% or 5%, something like that for a one year CD, which is pretty good, but it's certainly not 8% and it's definitely not eight flat. Okay. Uh, so the first reason that you should invest with me is because I'm going to pay you more than you're going to get from these other investments. The next reason that I think that lending in real estate is excellent is because when you lend in real estate, you actually have a tangible asset that is backing your investment, right? So in a case like this, if this guy was going to lend me the money to buy a piece of property, the deal was he would lend me the money to borrow the money, uh, excuse me, to buy the property, and then I would use my own money and my own resources to fix it up. Obviously, I'm doing all the repairs, I'm calling all the shots, uh, but I'm paying to have all the repairs done. I'm paying for the kitchen and the floor and the trim and then this and the that. Um, so I've really got a lot of skin in the game, right? So the worst thing that's going to happen if I fall through and I just like, you know, my business goes kaput and everything goes to crap. The worst thing that's going to happen to the guy who lent me the money in the first place is that he's going to get a house that I fixed at my expense. I mean, it's like, that's a pretty damn good deal. You know what I mean? Like I'm buying this house with the intent of improving its value and all of that kind of stuff. So the fact that I can, uh, you know, secure your investment with a tangible asset that you can literally look at with your own eyeballs that is in an asset class by itself that appreciates on average the vast majority of time over all measurable history is kind of remarkable. If you compare that to sticking your money in the stock market, ask yourself what happens if the company you invest in goes kaput. You put 100000 into a company and it goes bankrupt, uh, guess what you get? a big fat goose egg. You get nothing. There's nothing to back it up. Now, can you make great money? Of course, right? I mean, plenty of people do that. That's great. But in my situation, you invest in real estate. If I don't follow through, you get a house. That's a pretty sweet deal uh, in a worst case type scenario. Now, granted, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, most of the time, you're not going to have a worst case scenario and you're still going to get a much better solid locked in return than you would doing some of these other investments. You know, I always think about like Bernie Madoff, right? Bernie Madoff was scamming people for like 30 years on Wall Street. And now before people knew the whole thing was a scam, they thought this guy was like walking on water because he was constantly returning 10%. 
I'm thinking 10%. Like, you know, I mean, honestly, you can pay somebody 8, 10, 12% all day long if they're investing in real estate and it can be a secured investment and you don't have to be cheating the system like Bernie was, right? Uh, so the bottom line is lending in real estate is a great way to earn money. I'll tell you, when I reach financial freedom and I'm not quite out there doing what I'm doing, trying to, you know, do fix and flips and picking up more assets and doing all this kind of stuff. I'm really looking forward to being a lender for other young motivated people who are trying to build their portfolios. Uh, not only because I want to help them out, but because it's a great and simple way to get a wonderful return with very little effort and with a, a, a significantly lower risk profile than a lot of the other types of investments that might have similar returns. So, that would be my answer to that question. Why should you invest in lending real estate if you're in that kind of situation? And the answer is because you can make a buttload of money. It's very safe. And, uh, you know, I mean, frankly, you can look at it, you can touch it, you can feel it. I think that's a good thing. Um, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to go ahead and follow my own action step from the earlier segment today. And I'm going to open my mouth and let you know if you are interested in investing with me as a lender, right? If you are thinking, hey, I've got a couple hundred thousand I've got sitting around, I'm interested in making 8%. Let me know, right? Visit me on the website. Make sure we get connected because I'd be interested in working with you. I'm looking to put together a team of people who I can call. I want to be able to call up Joe. Hey, Joe, what's going on? I got this deal. Here's what we've got. Ba, 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 ba. Here's the deal. You want to do it? He says yes. We wire the money. We make it happen. He makes money. I make money. Everything turns out good. That's that's my plan. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the website. Reach out and contact us. I'd be happy to uh, see if we can work together. Okay, so I've been talking a lot today. Let's go ahead and wrap up the mailbag now, and uh, let's move real quick into uh, talking about what I've been up to for the last couple of weeks. So uh, just like we talked about in the main segment, obviously we negotiated this entire deal out down uh, down south from us, uh, putting together this awesome flip opportunity. Uh, we're in process right now of working on getting the financing in place, getting a couple of inspections done, making sure that we uh, you know get through all of the contingent components of the uh, of, of the of the contract and continue to follow through and, and move along on that. So I'll update you as we sort of make some headway on what's going on with that particular project. And I'll make sure I throw some pictures up on the social media things uh, so you can take a look to see exactly what we're, what we're doing over there. Um, on my business side of things, just kind of rocking and rolling, doing lots of drywall as I do. I actually just did a gig with Corey Reagan, who we uh, recently did an interview with on the show. And uh, he, he had remodeled a big house and needed a hand hanging some new ceilings. So we went over there and we popped out, you know, 30 board, got it finished, orange peel. Ooh, it looks sexy. Uh, so that was that was a cool little opportunity to work with him. It was fun. I've been doing a couple of popcorn jobs, working out on the beach on Siesta Key. Ooh, I love doing that, man. You know, there's nothing better than like being filthy and disgusting and dirty, long, hard day, going out there, creating value, doing my thing, and then opening the door and just looking at that beach, man. Oh my God, it is so beautiful. I just, sometimes you forget like when you live in a beautiful place like we do, my heavens, man, what a beautiful place to work. I, I love it. I love it. So anyway, you know, do, doing my thing, rocking and rolling, working a couple of days a week and then working on the remodels. And in terms of the remodel, we're, uh, we're getting real close to the end on our our current remodel project, uh, I got the house ready to be painted on the exterior. Uh, I was raining some coax wires, wires, which are the cable wire, the cable, which are the cable wires that you need in order to get your modem and your internet and your TV and all that kind of stuff set up. Uh, we got our countertops installed, and those turned out. Ooh, 
so good, man. They look so nice. Uh, the electricians were in there. They got the trim out done. We're starting to get some of the light fixtures, you know, getting the AC vents and all that kind of stuff now that we've got paint done on the inside. And uh, we're starting to think a little bit more seriously about how we're going to furnish the place and, and just get it ready for the Airbnb that it will become once the project is all wrapped up. So we're moving really rapidly towards wrapping up the permits and getting the finals done and then uh, really making it look like a house. So make sure you're staying tuned for that and hearing more about how that goes because, you know, we've been spending money on this thing for a long time. We're really excited to get it up to the point where we can get it on the market and start bringing some checks in and creating that passive income that we started this whole thing out for in the first place. Uh, so guys, I think that's, that's enough for today. Hopefully this episode has been jam packed with value. My goal is to give you as much value as possible. If it feels sometimes like maybe you're drinking out of a fire hydrant, good. That's my goal. I want to make sure I'm just bombarding you with as much good information as humanly possible. Feel free to watch the episode again, right? Take notes. Think about what we're talking about, guys. I just want to help you out. I just want to help you drive towards that success. That's our goal. Uh, so before we head out real quick, make sure you're following us on all the socials. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and pretty much anywhere you got a social media. And all of those places are at Blue Collar Blueprint. If you have a question for the mailbag, check us out over at Blue Collar blueprint.com there's a mailbag tag all you have to do is click on that sucker send me the question and if i can i will make sure that i answer it and give you some coaching right here on the show i also want to throw this out there if you know anybody in your life who you think is out there living the blue collar blueprint uh, that you think might be a good guest for the show make sure you send them my information because I'd be really interested in connecting with people. I'm out there looking for guys who are successful in this line of work, who are blue collar guys, who are earning great money and who are out there churning and earning that passive income. All right. So if you know anybody like that, let's get us connected. Uh, reach out and let me know. That would be a huge help to me. And then of course, the last thing, as you know, is I need your help to get this podcast to grow. Okay. Now the best way to put some fertilizer on this thing so we can sprout up and get its own legs is to subscribe and leave a review. If you don't mind leaving me a five-star review and clicking that subscribe button, you're doing a huge help to me. I would really appreciate it. And uh, that's it for today. Guys, great to be here. I love talking to you. I love doing this show and I look forward to seeing you next time. Semper Fix. Mm -hmm.